0: It's time for your NBA fix. This is the Big Show Daily Assist. Featuring all the latest news and
1: insight on the association.
0: Now joining the Big Show, senior NBA writer for The Athletic, Sam Amick. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network.
1: We decided to give him like 48 hours off of an offseason. He's back on The Big Show (laughs) from The Athletic. He's our good friend Sam Amick. Sam, what's going on? Happy holidays.
0: Happy holidays, guys! Good to be with you again. Crazy times. Thank you, as always, for the invitation.
1: Oh man, we're we're excited to have you, Sam. You're you're one of our absolute very favorites, and this should be a really unique uh, NBA season. And we're ex- excited to have you back on to get your perspective on it.
2: Of course, so I mean, unique uh, sells it short, but I know what you mean for sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen Oh, sorry, go Sam. Ahead. Sam, you've been a little busy lately, and uh, <laughs> we want to know the latest of what you know about what's going on in Houston.
0: Um, I mean, I don't even know how to wrap my head around it. <laughs> you know, day number two of the regular season. You know, it's funny because we covered a lot of unprecedented stuff already, but. Because the NBA obviously shut down its season on March 11th, which you guys are very familiar with, and then went to the bubble. We didn't, I've never covered this, um, you know, like some of the other sports have already had this attempt to have a season in the middle of the pandemic without that kind of a protected environment. And so I'm trying not to overreact, but it's hard not to. I mean, I'm, I'm staring at a computer screen where I'm contemplating you know, writing a column that just says, does Adam Silver already need to go to plan B and talk about regional bubbles? Because if this is, you know, it's like the Rockets, if they're not an outlier, if this is how players around the league, even if it's a a small minority of them, are going to handle the health protocols, then they don't stand a chance. You know, um, James Harden, even before going to training camp, you know, he's partying in Atlanta and Vegas. And and funny guys, I told a colleague of mine earlier today, I was like, man, I'm having a hard time like analyzing somebody like Harden as an NBA reporter anymore, because all of these things, they intersect so much with all of our lives and our experiences. Meaning like I'm kind of disproportionately angry at James because I I said, I told the guy, I was like, it's, It's like when you go to the grocery store and there's that one person who won't put a mask on, like that's James on steroids, you know, like can't be bothered to change anything about his routine. Now, reportedly he had COVID previously and clearly feels like the antibodies have got, you know, him invincible. But I don't know, between James and then ESPN reported that DeMarcus Cousins and John Wall and KJ Martin went to get a haircut and sat an apartment and that caused a problem. It's like, if if that's how guys are going to move, then there's no hope. And you better come up with a more extreme plan.
1: Might be unfair to ask you to speculate about this, but do you think this is James being difficult to twist the rocket's arm a little bit to move him?
2: I
0: don't know. I mean, it's hard because there's two sides of that coin where it's like they – Okay, conceivably, it'd be easier to move if you lower the price because the Rockets just want to get him out of town, right? But you got to have somebody. Even no matter how low the price is, you got to have somebody who's excited to have you. And so, is she talented enough for those teams to just to just kind of chalk all this stuff up to what you know what you're saying and say we think he'd be fine with us? I don't know, but I've talked to other teams who are scared off by this and, you know, are are very critical of the way he's being. So, I don't know, it doesn't feel like it's some sort of, uh, you know, he's playing chess when the rest of us are playing checkers, but who knows.
2: Do you know what the demand is for this guy, Sam? I mean, are there a, a great number of teams that want to dive into that, or do you think it's been kind of slim?
0: I don't have a great sense of it. I mean, I know where Philly's at. You know, they they obviously came out strong a few days ago saying Ben Simmons wasn't going anywhere. But, listen, if, if Philly gets off to a bad start and they don't like the way they look, you know I, I do expect Ben to be made available for a hardened trade because Daryl Morey now being in Philly loves James more than anybody as a player, legitimately thinks he's a better offensive player than Michael Jordan. Um, so Philly remains relevant. You know, the Brooklyn thing, I think... I don't see that happening. I don't see Miami or Milwaukee happening. There's some other teams that are intriguing. You know, Denver been in the news the last couple of days, and that that my feeling there is that's a a Michael Porter thing. You know, not not a Jamal Murray thing, but a Michael Porter thing. And to your question, Gordon, like that, that we've already seen the Rockets' price tag go down a little bit because before they were talking about like an all-star player in addition to a promising young prospect, and draft picks. So, like, if it was Denver, the formula conceivably would be Jamal Murray, Michael Porter, and draft picks. Well, now it's like I think Porter and draft picks and filler salary would probably get that done. Um, So I I think the price has gone down a little bit. You know, Boston's worth watching. You know, I think there's some other teams poking around, but – It's so messy. I just don't know what to think anymore.
1: Sam, want to, of course, ask you about the Jazz in their offseason. A lot of headlines this offseason for the Jazz favorites comes back. Rudy gets the extension. Donovan gets the extension. Jordan Clarkson stays put. Your kind of evaluation of the Jazz offseason. Yeah,
0: I mean, I liked it. Um, You know, listen, this conversation we've had for a year now, or I guess since March, in April and May, like we were the ones who reported some tough stuff about the locker room dynamics with the jazz and, and could Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert coexist? and, you know, was it too far gone? And so with that in mind, I mean, I, you know, I don't mind at all being the first to sit here and say kudos to them for getting through a really tough stretch and, and even enduring a pretty disappointing end to the playoffs and the bubble. And I saw that firsthand, like we talked about that before, like just the, the the way that that loss hit them, and you know, I remember when they had just lost, talking to Quinn Snyder, talking to some other people in their group, seeing Donovan Mitchell having an emotional moment with Johnny Bryant, like they went through a lot, and none of it broke them, and now they re-up with Donovan and, and Rudy, like you said, Jordan, some of the other pieces, and a really good team, and who knows? I mean, it's pro sports, so you look at it and you say, you know, could could continuity be the, the biggest factor in the offseason that we didn't talk enough about? Because Utah's got it over everybody else in stage. You know, the Utah's and the Denver's really. Um, you know, Denver loses Jeremy Grant, so gain a little bit of ground if you're a Utah. And, and you know, and, and we focus on the L.A. teams so much. But there's a lot of talent on that Jazz team, and I think there's still obviously hope internally that everything that have been together is only going to make them stronger and that they can take the next step.
2: Do you think, Sam, that uh, guys like Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert, who the Jazz have invested so much money in now, and hope, uh, in the tough West where you have so many superstars out there, can those guys rise to that level to lead a team to real contention? I know it's tough right now with the Lakers. Uh, They are what they are. But after that, can they they wedge their way into that next group? Yeah, I think they can. I think they can. I mean, it's hard. You talk about this being a
0: star-driven league. You know, really nobody in the league can compete with the two L.A. teams when it comes to star power. Um, you know, then you look at Milwaukee, where Chris Milton always gets overlooked, but he's an all-star. And, but that duo is not considered as dangerous. And, you know, now with Drew Holiday, maybe that moves them up a little bit. You know, Philly has got the unfulfilled potential with Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid. But the point being, like, you know, you start talking Donovan and Rudy, To me, they're right there at the top of that second tier with Jamal and Jokic, you know, that type of a a combo. And Donovan is going to – nobody's forgetting about Donovan, but because they barely – you know, they they fell short after being up 3-1. You know, Jamal ended up being the one who had the longer spotlight in the playoffs in terms of how special he was. But Donovan did everything he could possibly do and showed himself to be just an incredibly – He's you know, just a big-time performer. It was one thing to come out, you know, really nice rookie year. Gosh, they, they got a feel with this kid. You know, then he becomes the face of the franchise. Um, and it sounds weird to say, considering, again, they fell short in the postseason, but I mean, his individual contribution in that series against Denver and, you know, the, the incredibly entertaining back and forth with Jamal, like, that dude's an absolute star. And, Rudy is still, you know, arguably the most unique talent in the NBA. And so I I think, you know, yeah, they could be right there. It's it's just, it's all cliche, but it's true that it's a matter of, you know, getting a few breaks and health and, you know, COVID, things like that. You know, we'll see where it goes.
1: What did you see last night between the the Nets and the Warriors from either team? Uh, You know, obviously nice to see Kevin Durant playing again, but what'd you read into after watching that game?
0: Um, <laughs> mixed emotions. It was like, man, Brooklyn's going to be fun. And it's great to see Kevin looking like Kevin. And Kyrie looks fantastic. And then you're looking at it going, gosh, I think they'd be smart to not even worry about a James Harden type because you got so much firepower around them with Dinwiddie and Levert, guys like that. So, you know, it seems like a really good thing. And I think you got a, a good sense of how Brooklyn's for real. And then you're kind of going, I mean, admittedly, you know, you guys know this, we talk all the time about how we don't root for teams, but you do root for people sometimes. There's just people I like within the Warriors organization, and I found myself feeling bad for them because they've been waiting so long to try to get back to where they could make the most of this core that they have that, you know, some of these guys, part of that 73-win team. And then because of Clay Thompson's injury, and, I'll, you know, some of the other roster turnover, it's like, I don't know. People have been talking like they're going to be 4-5 or five in the West. I've been saying I think they're going to scratch for the play-in tournament. And last side it looked like they weren't going to be sniffing the play-in tournament. Now, granted, no Draymond green. That's a really big deal. But Andrew Wiggins looked terrible. Um, you know, Wiseman's a rookie, so just can't expect that much out of him. But, you know, and Steph... Is amazing, but he, he just looked like, you know, his his talent within that mix was not enough to keep them even anywhere close in that game, so we'll have to wait and see if that's who they actually are.
2: Sam, are you buying in on the positivity that seems like it's coming from some corners about the Suns?
0: Yeah, I think so. I mean, it's hard not to, but again, I don't know to what, I don't know where the ceiling is, right? It's like, is it playing tournament? Is it sixth in the West? Um, part of what you're getting there is like a lot of respect for Monty Williams because, a generally people, people generally like him a lot. Um, high character guy and great reputation. But then what the Suns did in the bubble, even without Kelly Oubre and obviously without Chris Paul, and Chris was over doing some pretty special things with the Thunder. I mean that that combination of narratives is the reason that everybody's talking the sums up so much, and with good reason. It's hard not to look at it and say, wait a minute, this just makes perfect sense. You know, you you had Devin Booker, an incredible player that now has not only some help, but a guy who is generally considered a pretty good leader, and a guy who's vocal and plays both ends of the floor, and who is back with his old coach and Monty Williams, you know, and they 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 had, they were the only undefeated team in the bubble and it, they didn't get in the playoffs just cuz the math didn't fall in their direction but you know we'll see if they can keep it up
1: Sam, I can't believe I have waited this long in the interview to ask you about this because probably the biggest basketball story in in Utah over the offseason was the sale of the team. Ryan Smith from Qualtrics uh, buys from uh, or eighty percent interest from the Miller family for one point six billion dollars. And and Gordon, I don't want to speak for you, but I think I do when I say we were Sam. We didn't hear anything about it. I mean, we didn't we didn't know anything about it until the morning that that it uh, it was made public. And talk about a a. a uh, shift, you know, or something that we didn't see coming for sure.
0: Yeah, no doubt, and I'm with you. I didn't, I didn't hear, you know, any rumblings whatsoever. We, it's funny in NBA media, we, we got to do a better job of covering the owner level because it is stuff like this happens all the time. Where I, I, I'm, part of it is, if you go to an arena anywhere in the country or in Toronto, obviously, you're 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 not interfacing with the ownership community and people around them all that frequently it doesn't mean you don't at all but you know the intel doesn't come our way unless you really pursue it um and it's hard to get to and so a lot of times these stories come out of nowhere i mean by all accounts and i don't know a ton about ryan other than you know big time jazz fan and and a guy who seems to be getting a big thumbs up I, i noticed a uh, flattering quote from Mark Cuban about Ryan, where he said he was upset, you know, because the Jazz and and their fans were going to be very successful for a long time because they got a good owner and that's not good for the Mavericks. So I'm sure that type of feedback makes Jazz fans happy, you know, and um, beyond that, it's just, you know, it seems like everybody's given a big thumbs up and ownership out there for a while, had been something that everybody spoke incredibly highly of. Now, obviously, with the pandemic hitting, you know, the Millers got absolutely kind of obliterated on the the automobile front, on the movie theater front. And so that part, I wasn't shocked to see what happened. They had had layoffs and cutbacks. And so, you know, Ryan obviously saw the opportunity there, but he still ended up cutting a pretty massive check for a, a small market team. You know, in the middle of a pandemic, that's a pretty
2: pretty coin to, to get. All things considered, that's interesting, Sam. That you mentioned Cuban because I know that Ryan had been in contact with Cuban, inquiring, uh, trying to sort of get some information from him about what it's like to own an NBA team. So uh, there has been that communication between those two. So they must be aware of each other. Uh, where do you rank ownership in the on the list of importance? Uh, if I were to throw in owners, uh, general managers, or personnel type, vice president types, and coaches, if you were to rank those three, how would you rank them? I mean, I I, I don't
0: think there's any other answer other than I've got to yield to the front office people and the coaches who you ask that question, they say owners. You know and there's times when I kind of feel like I don't know you know they pay the bills and I, you know I, I don't I have a hard time really seeing like the distinct differences between each owner so I admittedly like I don't have strong opinions about the the owners that are not on the extremes, meaning you know if you want to talk about James Dolan and Robert Sarver and Rebecca Ranadive, We can. I can have a a real confident conversation about where they have fallen short. You know, if you want to talk about Mickey Arison and and you know Steve Ballmer and owners like that on the positive side, but you know all the all the owners in between. You know, it's I, I don't. I have a hard time knowing who's better than the other. If that makes sense. But what you hear consistently is. You know, if the foundation's not healthy and, and, you know, and you have too much meddling and and the synergy's not there uh, or the priorities aren't there in terms of being willing to cut the check, you know, it's um, it's just very hard to succeed. So, I mean, it's probably number one, you know, and, and then it all grows from there because they're going to decide who runs the front office and who's going to coach. And, and, you know, it's, it's just a weird – Equation, though, because a lot of times these filthy rich people get their hands on a team, and it's a bad mixture because they really think they got all the answers. Because you know their ego has been rightfully kind of you know boosted by their success in other industries, and then a lot of things that they use to be successful there don't work in the NBA. You don't if you don't have the connections, you don't have the relationships. Next thing you know, you're hiring the wrong people you're paying for the wrong things and you're, you know, you're, you're drowning. And honestly, in my neck of the woods, I like of Adida did a lot of that. I mean, he's from the tech industry. and So it gets off the rails and it's hard to get back. But I think the owners are probably the most important.
1: Sam, certainly excited uh, to have you back on with us this NBA season. Excited to think get things going uh, tonight for sure. Thank you as always and Merry Christmas.
0: Likewise, guys. Talk to you next
1: week. Thanks. Thanks, Sam. Our good friend Sam Amick, as we get the NBA season started right. A senior NBA writer for The Athletic and uh, one of the best. Uh, we love Sam. He's great. We'll get that up online at 1280thezone.com.
2: And we're not kidding about how busy he's been. <laughs> he's been he's been all over that Houston stuff like you, uh, you talked about earlier, Jake. Uh, these guys are busy, man. There's a lot going on. And a lot of it is pretty heavy stuff when you When you have this overlay of the pandemic involved in the whole thing.
1: No doubt. More next, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.